1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Toon Arries podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. Ron is on the deck, Yeah, hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. Ron is delighted he got a new SSD for his MacBook, so the thing is like in tip top shape. Mm-hmm. And Timmy's looking Just like intent. himself. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, we have Tony O'Reilly in the studio. Tony is a addiction counselor with external problem gambling. So you're addiction counselor, but your, your area of expertise is specifically in gambling. Um, nearly all counselors psychotherapists or people that work in that field are pulled into it for some reason sometimes it's a family member or of their own history but your your route into that into the counseling is fascinating there's been a book there's been a documentary there's been multiple tv things and um so we're delighted to have you here long time in the making it has mm-hmm. been, you know, finally at the pinnacle. pinnacle yeah, uh, sure. finally. And, and, uh, thanks for coming. Thank you so, you so much. Bravely. But before we start, I think we should say how um, when when Timmy came into the show, they were here <laughs> with Tony and the two boys were like, "No, know what one of them moments were like,
2: I know his face. Uh, I know his face, I just came in and I said, fuck it, I know this fellow. and then <laughs> I was in my head and I said, what, well, no, I did nothing to this guy, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, we sat down we started chatting and Tony was in Shelton Abbey the same time as me, we were there for about six months together, but the two of us mm. were quiet, like I done my thing, he done his thing and uh, that's why we never crossed paths, uh-huh. you know, and um, it uh, it wasn't until I was actually sitting on the table here and I looked across and Fuck, I know him. Yeah. you know, so, it's a small world, uh, isn't it? it is. A small so it world. is
3: yeah. it was the same as yourself. Even when I was, um, I was just looking at one or two with a podcast, and I just said, "I know that face from somewhere." <laughs> I think is he a Carloman, or where do I know him from? A And then yeah. when you mentioned Shelton, it kind of came flowing. Yeah. Back. It just shows like how small a world it is. I used
2: to do a lot of meditating in Shelton Abbey. Shelton out in Abbey the got one
3: gardens. Of, out in the
2: gardens. Nice place it's, for it, isn't it? It is. It is. It's beautiful place. Yeah. Out in the gardens, down in the, the hallway, do you know, yeah. outside the governor's office, is it? Yeah. Yeah, and
3: um, it, was, it was a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, I call it my country manor, and yeah. i describing it in workshops. It's kind of, um, I suppose, as you're coming back into society, it's probably, you know, the nicest place to be, that you can be for yeah. what it is. But also when you're bringing in kind of, um, you know, my daughter was very young at the time. She was only one or two, so on visits it just felt... I suppose it wasn't as traumatic. I suppose for her, even though she might remember. Like you know, if you're going through X-rays and stuff in the in the closed prisons, like there's ducks and pheasants, and it was interesting. I was actually doing a school talk in Arklow, um a couple of weeks ago, and one of the one of the young students came up and said, uh, "You do you say you're in Shelton? and he's actually his dad was the gamekeeper for all the pheasants, mm-hmm. not the pheasants. That, so, like, it's mad how it's yeah. such a small world. But, yeah, it's great yeah. to meet mm-hmm. different circumstances. Yeah. It's gas, you know, when you're in somewhere like that,
1: depending on your headspace at the time, like, you were talking about, you know, doing the meditation up there and you're kind of <coughs> re- trying to reintegrate back into society. But I remember when I was up there as a younger person, like, all I wanted, they had George Foreman girls and PlayStation mm-hmm. 2s. And that was it, you know, the majority mm-hmm. of it. But before we get into the prison and stuff like that, we go way back. For the people that don't know yeah, you, you want to tell us a little bit about where you're from,
3: what it was like yeah. growing up for So I'm from uh, Carlo originally, uh, born in 74, and childhood was normal childhood, but I always felt kind of um, insecure on the peripheral of, of stuff. Um, I suppose I've done a lot of reflection over the years, and even just thinking about childhood stuff, I always felt like I didn't quite fit in. Like mm-hmm. I was probably a year younger than all my friends, probably... Um, a little bit behind them and grown facial hair and kind of you know in size and stuff, I was kind of always small, and I suppose there was always an insecurity there from a very early age. Mm. But you know, I had a very you know positive childhood, you know, playing football, kind of but I always felt that I was always jumping between groups trying to find exactly where I fit in. Mm. Um, and a
1: year and a difference is a lot when you're a child, huge. And if you're five
3: <laughs> or if you're let's say eight or nine
1: and you're in a class with 10 or 11. Like that year in development is a big is a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. like you're not picking up the language, the English, the maths as quick as the fellas that's a year ahead of you. Do you know, yeah. So like you're you're at a disadvantage from the outset.
3: Yeah, I suppose I I suppose to combat that insecurity, I used to kind of um, even probably fourteen, fifteen. I was always maybe it was sign things to come as well. I was always. Um, Buying stuff to make myself feel good or to make myself feel secure, I suppose. So my room was like my haven. It was surrounded by CDs, kind of the best of tellys, stereos. I was nearly known as the higher purchase king in Carlisle because I like, go in and always buy something, but always pay, you know pay the money back off it. And I suppose that was a kind of looking back now, that was very much a coping skill for anxiety or stress or whatever that might be. Mm. And that kind of stayed with me throughout. And even today, now it's still very much there at times as well. It's something I might to be very mindful of. Um, but yeah, I suppose I went through my adolescent years, um, working, I'd done a lot of kind of work. I used to babysit a lot, I used to do cutting grass with a friend of mine. And um, we did a, 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 I liked the feeling of having money as well. And I suppose then I was 17, doing my really leam sort of very young and immature, like I do a lot of school talks with extern. And I, you know, a lot of people now do transition reverses for when I was going to school. Mm-hmm. So I was just just gone 17. Kind of, I think I spent more time doing study timetables than I did actually doing study. Yeah. And I suppose I was always aware that I could just go to the local IT. And I got in there, done, was doing course I didn't like, left it after a year to go working uh went in started working at a bar called Scrag's Alley um where I worked for I worked there for years and years. And um I suppose then I suppose when I was twenty five I wanted to change the direction. That's when I started working with post as a part time postman. Still done still doing a few hours in the pub. Um and it was around that time I had my first bed at twenty four at twenty five. So again in what we hear in our service it's relatively late to what mm-hmm. we hear other people getting yeah. it. Because a lot of our service user now are, you know, the age cohort is definitely coming down compared. So it's kind of that's kind of a snapshot of my what happened around the age of twenty five? How did you hand up have the first bet? was it the company you were keeping or? No, it was just a random moment. It was the quarter final of the World Cup. I was working that Saturday. ninety eight, France ninety eight. Oh yeah. Saturday, uh, 98, 98, oh, yeah. Uh, Argentina and Holland. And um Oh Dennis Borkham. Yes. Great yeah, goal. Yeah, exactly. And that's is, is I always say it's how it happened as much as the money I won. So I was kind of um working that day. A friend of mine was having a few drinks at the bar, just said, It's not going down to have put a bet on the match match. I fancy Holland to win. And I was on my lunch break, so i and have a look. No, I didn't carry much cash with me. So, I had a couple of euro or pounds at the time in my pocket. Went into the bookies. I was taken back at really when I went in about, you know, smoke filled, generally older men, dockets mm. everywhere, the energy, the buzz in it. And the I boy just, in the, the back of the, the boy, Yeah, but well, I wasn't quite <laughs> at that level at that stage. but um, <laughs> That's pro 11, yes. isn't it? But I remember I was going to back Cliver to score first because, you know, I remember him dashing Ireland's dreams two the years straight. earlier. In Liverpool, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And. So I decided I was going to put a bet on him at one pound bet at about six to one to score the first goal. And then as I was placing that first bet, or my friend was showing me throughout the docket, I noticed there was a special on the board for him to score first and for Holland to win 2-1, which was 45-1. to Now, in today's terms, probably equivalent to putting three or four euro one and winning 100, between 100 and 150 euro. Mm-hmm. And this was 45-1, to so I was due to win 45 pounds of this one. And I remember I said, I'm going to do that. And my friend said, hey, imagine how many things have to happen or not happen for you to win that. And my exact words were, "It's only a pound, um, and it'll be a bit of interest for the match." And he flicked me over a pound, said, "Stick a pound on for me because you'll probably a beginner's luck." Yeah, went back up to watch the match. Claudio scored after twelve minutes. Fellow called Lopez equalised for Argentina after seventy minutes, and then I got that buzz that you hear about—you know, that initial mm-hmm. buzz—and for the next seventy-three odd minutes, I was in that game. Uh, Holland and Man sent off later on in the game. Is it Claudio Lopez? He was playing for Valencia. Strike. That's what scored. Yeah, uh, he, he uh, scored, and then. Um, I think uh, Holland, I forget who got him, who got sent off for Holland, but then I remember Ortega tried to headbutt Edwin van der Sar, mm. and then he got sent off. So with the last 10 minutes... Ortega's a half his height. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last 10 minutes was, you know, we were back in the game, and I remember I was just saying to my friend, listen, oh, we have extra time, and he said, no, it has to be 90 minutes to bet. And as we were having that conversation, bang, the Burkamp goal happened. And it was One how it happened. Ones. Even now talking about it, now I can feel the goosebumps. Yeah. Now I've watched that video hundreds of times for presentations, but it's like, it's like you can't describe that buzz it was kind of i'd won 45 pounds which was probably about half a week's wages from back then but it's how it happened as well mm. as that buzz you know if you see a last minute <laughs> point or a goal or yeah. um, it just adds to the excitement of it and i was i was hooked and I remember going to bed at night thinking this is easy and then that started my whole journey of gambling Do you know with your education and you know you're obviously a counselor now that
1: is it the um endorphins, the serotonin, the dopamine hit that, that gives
3: you is that what you're actually chasing then from then on in. I think so, yeah. So I think at the start that. you are, and then I think I think at the end you're just chasing normality, if that's such I a thing. There's yeah. a buzz
2: yeah. off all of this. Yeah. There's actually a buzz off like losing like as well. losing. There's a buzz off losing. Mm.
3: You know, I've it's
2: often, being in action in the chaos, isn't it's it? It's just about being yeah. there. It's yeah. just about it's just about it's just everything to do with mm. It's it's about standing there, looking at us. It's about chowtering. It's it's about talking to the lads in there. It's about having a bit of a rapport with the people behind mm. the counter and a bit of crack with them. And yeah. there's so much to it's, it.
3: it. It's it's all that. Like I know when I work with clients, you, you kind of do a cost benefit and you ask them what are the things that you used to get from gambling. And it's always escapism, buzz, excitement, um, the ability to fix the financial situation or win money, the social element, and alleviate boredom. They're, they're always the five things you hear. But for me as well it was that ego. Like that's like I'm I, I'm good at this. Mm. And then everyone else is telling you you're good at it. Like, how would you pick that you, She's your brilliant. You know, there was someone mm. you know, someone would give someone a tip for a horse and everyone's congratulating the fella for giving the tip. So it's yeah. kind of that whole ego thing kind of really kicked in. And at a time probably when there's probably other stuff going on in my life that was kind of insecure about, um, I think that really kind of made me feel good and I was chasing that feeling then, uh, always from then, and then
2: Did you put much work into your bets
3: or were they just at the spurred start, on a whim At the start you know you, you, you'd be gambling on stuff you didn't know about like you're gambling yeah. on um, you know the Premier League or the Championship at the end I was gambling on Azerbaijan football I was and gambling you know, on Peruvian netball like one of the one of the in the court case one of the bets was mentioned I had 40,000 euro on the ladies Norwegian football team at 6-4 to four. at a time when even ladies football now has gone a lot bigger, yeah. but at that time there was probably forty people at the match, and here was some random person in Carlow in Ireland having forty thousand euro on it. Like when they, even when I say that, and that would be normal for me at that stage. Mm. So it went from one pound to five pounds to you know you can see the progression. Mm. But it's I
2: used to gamble on the red and black. Yeah, they used to let me in while the cleaners were inside in the bookies in the mornings, and I used to go and like gamble five hundred euros on the red and black. I and know. I just chasing for the whole day. Yeah. Chasing what I've lost. You could be doing any any amounts of money and you just chasing and chasing and chasing. You know, and yeah. and, and and in gamblers anonymous is it's, it's never about it it was never about the quantity of uh, of money, it was just about how oh, it just made us all feel. Mm-hmm. You know, that feeling that you have to make what you lost back. Yeah, because you know, and the bets get bigger and bigger and bigger. Do you know it's like insidious.
3: Yeah, because like, the figures in my story are big. That's why you know, it was sensationalised at the mm-hmm. time. But it's if someone is spending €10 Euro that they can't afford a week or €100 Euro, or all their social welfare right. money or their wages or disposable income. But how it impacts them and their relationships and their mental health, as you were saying. Is that how it started for
2: you, Tony? Is, did it start by you just going into the bookies after getting paid at the
3: end of the week and spending your wages... It started like from '98 to 2003. It stayed at a level that you I would be classed as a normal, regular gambler. I was gambling. I was working most Saturday, so you go down and you pick out your teams on Saturday morning, on your tea break you go down place your bet. Soccer Saturday, come on, Jeff Stelling and everyone, and you'd spend the day keeping an eye on the results as you were as you were um, serving, and if it won, brilliant. If it lost. You know, it's only a five or a tenner. And it very much stayed at that level. Now, you know, at the odd time you get tiffer horse, you might put a little bit more than you should have. Mm. You might kind of, you know, you might put 20 euro on instead, 10 euro on in your weekend bet. You know, you might do a midweek thing. But it was very much within my... There's no red suppose, flags, like... No, not until I got an online account. As soon as I got that, that's when, it, that's when it started. Because, of course, traditionally, like back in the day, if you went into a bookies, you could only
1: lose what you had in your pocket. Mm. But with online banking, you could clear out your account in a night. You could lose your house.
3: Lose you know. everything, yeah. And can you talk about the, the 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 type of account you had or who you had it with? Yeah, like? it was a Paddy Power account, and the reason was that it could have been any, any account. It's just my girlfriend's brother at the time bought me a 50 euro voucher for Christmas. It might sound like a strange present to buy some more. Like, you know, mm. we talked about bets, and we, yeah. you know, people knew I liked a bet, and you know, he, he gave me a voucher. And went in with the voucher naively into Paddy Power, said, Can I put, use that to place a bet? And I said, No, you have to open up an online account. I went alright, so I went home, I had a Dell PC in my bedroom, before smartphones, before laptop, mm-hmm. I didn't have a laptop, and type went on, typed in the username, what username i will have, looked at the shelf, Pearl Jam 10, one of my favourite albums of all time, Tony 10, and opened up the account and lodged in the 50 euro, Um. and to lodge, you had to associate a debit card or a credit card yeah. to a lodge money. now it's different now, you can nearly have their own bank cards, you can lodge cash over the counter. And I put, um, you know, I associated my MB&A credit card. So that changed everything because now I could gamble from the comfort of my own bedroom without having to get into the car and drive down. Mm. I was gambling with credit. I was gambling with, it didn't feel tangible, not having real money. As you said, if you have money in your pocket, you can only lose what you lose. But yeah. I could. I was gambling with borrowed money, essentially. And that started to change how I gambled because now I was, I was kind of going on most evenings. And then I was kind of going, well, I put on... 20 or 40 euros. So, you said you were gambling on credits so or money, like were you borrowing at that stage? Well, what would happen was that the credit card, you'd be kind of, you yeah. know, you'd be you'd be building up Come and then you pay the the off the minimum cap. repayment. You'd have the odd win here and there and you yeah. pay it off. But the bet I always say changed everything was in 2005. It was the final of the uh, UEFA Cup, which is now the Europa League, and CSK Moscow were playing Sporting Lisbon. And it was in Sporting Lisbon's ground that year. And I arrived home from work and um, CSK Moscow wandered down. And I decided I was going to place a bet on to win the game. to were 10 to 1 to win the match. So I had 50 euro on my online accounts, and I said, I'm going to put 50 euro on these. And um, just as I was about to press bet now, I saw the West Ham playing Ipswich in the playoff semi finals. I said, I oh, fancy Bobby's a more to score first. So I'm going to double it up. And again, it's the first time I really started to hide my gambling because I had a laptop at this stage, but my partner was in the room. So I just moved it slightly so she couldn't see how much money I was putting on. So I put 50 euro double. Closed down the laptop and went up to have a shower, came down for the second half. Within eleven second half minutes, um, CSK Moscow equalising on two one up and Bobby Zamora scored the first goal. So I let a shout out like I, I out in the sitting room. And, what was the uh, odds, Anna? The odds were eight to one going on to ten to one. Nice. So um like I didn't I hadn't really made it up. And my partner came and said, What's the story? Are Liverpool playing? And I said, No, they're playing next week in the Champions League final. That's right. Yeah. And um she said, why are you shouting for it? I said, I will have a bit of a bet on And that's when I started lining about my gambling, really, because I said, I, I put a tenner on and I'm due to win €500 Euro mm. if this wins. But sure, I'll be able to give it to you just as part of, you know, just to get stuff for mm. yeah. And uh, just to kind of, you know, manipulate the situation. And um, then to scored a third goal. So, you know, I'd celebrate. But when I opened up the laptop, again, I turned it and hit it. When I hit refreshed, it was €4,950 Euro in the account. And that and the only thing I was left with what taking was eight to one going on to a ten to one. So For it was fifty euro. Yeah. So the fifty went on to ten to one. That's five hundred and fifty was going yeah. on to an eight to one shot. Jeez. And I remember thinking instead of thinking, wow, this is like an hour's an hour's gambling I suppose. So the, the two odds accumulated. Yeah. Yeah. So the I was just and the only thing that was in my head was why didn't I put 100 euro on it? I could have won ten thousand. Why didn't I put two hundred euro on it? Yeah. And then what happens yeah. is I I I I paid, I gave my partner five hundred euro whatever it was. I put €1,500 Euro back onto my credit card pay off some of their payments. Mm. But I left €3,000 on my online account. And then I started gambling up more money. So now bets of €100, Euro, €200 Euro became...
0: Yeah. became,
3: And then that match, Liverpool, the following week, I lost most of it on that. And the week after, when I was chasing it. And then I start then I couldn't go back to just betting tenors. That
1: Liverpool game with did extra time, didn't
3: it? Yeah, three all-drawing penalties. Yeah. But <laughs> I lost a lot of money on that. And um, what happened then was you know your tolerance levels are going you don't get the same buzz of excitement getting putting on a fiver anymore it has to be 100 yeah. mm-hmm. you said something that was very important for yeah. people listening and family members
1: and it doesn't really matter what kind of addiction it is but if you're ever hiding something mm. you re- that's a big red flag but yeah. if you're hiding food or you're hiding your medication or you're hiding the alcohol
3: you're hiding the gambling like that's a real sign that it's getting yeah. out of hand isn't it yeah because my friend always says it afterwards like after the fact he said like I should have known something was wrong because he rang me one day when I was in the height of it. And of course, I saw the the phone call. And usually he'd answer in the bookies. But I went outside to answer because I didn't want him knowing I was in there. So again, I was even hiding it from him. Mm. And I didn't hang up when I went back in. And he could hear the bookies in the background. He obviously he called me Riley. He said, I wonder why Riley was lying to me about where he was. It's not like he's no need to lie to me. Was your partner... You might be saying, yeah, I'm, I'm on the way home. Exactly. But, but yeah, he saw yeah. It, that as a huge kind of, but he never questioned it. He just kind of must be, he didn't, it's only after he said, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. But that's why he knew so much about second division German football. or that's why he was so good <laughs> in, t- in table quizzes when you can on the capital of different countries around Europe from yeah. the football teams. So it's kind of. And like your gambling, I know, is getting a little bit out of hand and yeah. you're working in the post office as well. Yeah at what stage did you start to dip into the reserves in the post office what happened was over the next couple of uh, years i started getting more and more debt as my gambling so by the time i got married I was about 25,000 euro on debt from gambling and how, it, how what age were you then t- is ter- is a
2: good question 33 and this is this is about 9 years after you started yeah it's about
3: it's about 4 years after the online after mm. i got into online account. and is the debt with the bank that's what with the credit with the bank so i i yeah. I I'd max out the credit card, go to the bank, get a loan, clear off the credit card and, and start the whole process again. Mm. Convinced that I'd win it back. And I remember coming up to two thousand seven when I was getting married. Um, one of the stories in the book was that a couple of weeks before the wedding, I'm 25,000 euro in debt. No way of I'm supposed to have six thousand euro in my credit card to pay the balance of the wedding. Not there, I'm starting to panic. So I start selling stuff to try to win money. You know, you're selling stuff online, yeah. putting it off your thing. You're selling the best of albums that you've collected yeah. and Old Playstations and whatever so you can get your hands on, and trying to win back this exact amount, um, and then a week before the wedding, um, went to the went to the credit union, um, looking for the amount, couldn't give it to me. Said you have to get too many top ups. Start panicking. I'm over in Cyprus. We got married in Cyprus. It was eighty two. was flew over, and I was desperate. I remember I um I got six thousand euro, um, in the end, and I went over to Cyprus. Arrived on a Wednesday, um. A few drinks, bit of crack, going to bed at night, thinking like it was again. It was before smartphones. I didn't have a smartphone, so I had no way of placing a bet. I used to ring in my bets on my Nokia 3210, knew the credit card number yeah. off by heart, used to ring it in all the time. And then I didn't have my laptop with me then, and I was there, like, at least when I'm over here, I won't be able to place a bet. So I had the money in the, I got the money in the end, to put off the credit card. I ain't going to bed that night, and I noticed PCs in the foyer at a hotel, thinking, oh maybe I'll be able to get a bet on. So you know, the, it took cypriot yeah. pounds, the box, and I went mm-hmm. online. I said and my, my rationalization was I still need to get all this money back before herself finds out about and I'll just put a couple of hundred euro on. She'll be getting cash as presents. I'll be able to add that to pay for the hotel. You know that you, I'm sure you know what happens. Spirals. I lose the first 500 euro. Start chasing it two days before the wedding. I have no money in my online account or no money on my credit card. And I'm sitting there in the bar thinking, what am I going to do? Your friend comes in, best mind I said, are you okay? You haven't been yourself. And I said, in fact, you haven't been yourself for the last couple of months. Mm. And I said, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, are you sure? And I said, no, no, I'm fine. And I kind of, what am I going to do? Because I'm over in Cyprus, 82 family. I said, I'm going to be discovered. And um, then I remember, geez, I forget, i had forgotten about that I was running. That was uh, kept going. So it was a four-part accumulator that I had done with about €50 Euro with the view of winning €6,000. So two elements had won. Derby County won the playoff final that day. And two days after the it was a horse called Arthurise running the Derby. And all the money from the previous three lots were going on to him to win. So I, the wedding came and, went and I was stressed all day, worried about am I going to be able to even pay for this. Two days after the wedding I'm sitting on the hotel bed w- looking at this race unfold and he comes from way back to win the race. And I go into the toilet and I bite my fist like just didn't nearly stop myself screaming with pure relief. Um, I can feel...
1: Like you feel- I can feel the stress yeah, down low. Yeah, I, by know, you I like know how it yeah, feels. Oh Jesus Christ. I know, I know how It's how like
2: it feels, to let yeah. people down like I'm yeah. feeling like oh my god. How mm. am I going to get out of this one like? I was I was doing what he was doing with drug money like with with, with money that was all the drug deal. Mm. The but same It's the same was thing It's it was the same thing and It's the like, like chaos, isn't uh, it? And like when when you have to face people that are involved in drugs and who could potentially mm. harm you or your family because of of them not getting your money mm-hmm. it's you know it's, know, it's, it's, it's a really stress. really yeah. and, and I could feel everything yeah. that was going on for you there because I know how it is you know
3: but even living it even at times like I'd be watching I've, I said I've told a story loads of times I do the school talks but even when I show a bit of the race from the documentary from the school talks and it still get the hairs in the back of my neck kind of going like how did I get away with this you got bailed out every time I did but then the worst thing is that you you think you can do it all the time then you think mm. you're bulletproof so I got back to Carlo a week later thinking right I need to fix this i need to this this is wrong i shouldn't be waiting on a horse to win to win to pay for running let alone your wedding so instead of you know looking for help or support which looking back now is something i should have done but no that's not always the case while in addiction but like that's the difference i suppose between alcohol and and gambling i suppose because alcohol you can't necessarily drink you out of problem mm. but with gambling you're convinced you can gamble your way out mm. and that's what i tried to do you know the, i got a loan a couple of months later to bankroll it that continued up by the time I got the job in the post office, I was probably about €45,000 in debt and didn't even know whether I could take up the position because I had no money to buy a second car, scraped enough money to get a banger, banger together and took up the position and my gambling stopped, kind of went lower for a while because I had no way of putting money into my online account, my electronic means were gone, like I was told I couldn't get another loan for about two years.
2: Is there any um, alarm bells at, at any point here from your wife or? or no, because uh, he completely. You know was yourself. very you hidden. Me, just I, yeah, you hide it like you can. Yeah.
3: You become a brilliant liar. Yeah. Like I remember.
2: Did she ever wonder was there, was your was there something wrong with you with your mental health mental health because we become complete loners you, you, and we we're, it's like we're introverts completely yeah. into the mind. There's nothing else going on.
3: There's a couple of things I suppose because. Um, because I snore a lot like it was always kind of I'm staying in the spare room so you get good night's sleep so it was always an excuse yeah because you're on your phone it's kind of like, get off your phone like I'm sure we're all guilty of that nowadays mm-hmm. but um you know there's one story about hiding like I, I remember um one particular time I was um I got a tip for a horse run for Paddy I think it was the Scottish Grand National and I was due to go on holidays that evening I don't know where it was Lanzarote or somewhere and I had a thousand euro cash in my in my um pocket to go on holidays I said right I'm gonna go down place a bet on this horse might put 20 euro each way or 50 euro each way and it was before it was a big problem and i remember being on the bookies an hour before the race and i lost 900 of the thousand euro um on cartoon race and an american race and whatever it was virtual virtually stuff. fourteen mm. to ones 100 yeah. euro each way was what i ended up doing at the end and i remember just thinking right if this i, I had 50 euro i put 50 euro each way I'd last bit of money on this horse to win this the scottish grand national and I was just thinking, right, if he does win, or it could have been 30 euro each, or if he, I can't remember exactly, but my rationalization was, if this doesn't win, I'm going to go outside, throw away my wallet, and beat my head off the wall, and go home and say I was smoked. So that's why you, t- you hide, or you, yeah. you come up with anything to, to yeah. do it. The horse won the bet, the favorite, Ruby, Rol- Bultr was on the favorite, of a very short price, and I bet him by a nose, and I got near enough all the money back, and I just walked with the bookies. So there's, there's loads of situations like that. Where that was it was a close one, like. But then, obviously, you know, when, when I was that much in debt, before I got the job, my wife became pregnant, um, a little bit after I took up the position, and that's when uh, you, to ask. I gave you a long winded answer when yeah. I started dipping into it. Yeah, I suppose I'm sitting there thinking, well, she's not going to be getting maternity pay, Um she doesn't know all the debts I have, um, because I'm hiding it. I'm just about keeping my head above water. I know that in six months' time, she's going to be out of work for nine months with only social welfare payment, and I'm kind of thinking, how am I going to fix this? I may try to win all this money back, and it's one of those moments you're sitting there kind of going maybe I could just borrow some of the money, you know, like to say for fraud to happen, there has to be pressure, opportunity and rationalization. The pressure was immense because while she was having morning sickness in one bathroom, I was in the other bathroom getting sick with stress. Mm. Um, I was comforted and I was bloated from stress. I wasn't talking to anyone who's gone very withdrawn from mm. social situations. And just one day I just said, well, maybe I could take a bit of coin here and I'll, I'll win it back and replace it. And I'll bankroll this. And it just, it just snowballed um, into notes, stealing notes. And, I used to slice down the corners of the bundles of 50s so just come packed in pack fifty thousand and take surgery move two or three thousand from a bundle, place it back in knowing that the auditing would only check the mm-hmm. actual amount of bundles, it wouldn't open them up. So you just I, I got a system and then when I got through an audit or two, having got you know, they didn't spot the fact it was eight thousand euro missing. I um I never forget the second audit, I went down to Carlo and begged my man to get eight thousand euro a loan from the credit union for me because I wanted to put it back into the safe because I, I knew one of the rare moments of clarity where you know something's wrong mm-hmm. and I remember the audit team arrived that day and I couldn't put the check in in time so I got away with that the 8,000 euro just, just counted the amount of bundles the ones that were missing money just counted them as full yeah. so I'm sitting in the office that evening with knowing that they're not coming back for six months and I have this other 8,000 pocket and I just kind of, I'll use this to bankroll my next gambling plan and that was gone within a couple of weeks so then that really um, accelerated. What, what kind of bets were you doing at that stage 500 euro bets thousand euro bets mm. um you know like quickly co- because you're so anymore. desperate yeah you're you're in a frenzy you don't you're not thinking rationally you're just kind of you're putting and you're putting it on stuff that you don't know anything about
2: and how you just explained to us there how, how um how that actually worked because i was a little bit curious how mm. how don't they notice that there's money actually being taken over account.
1: The, the auditors must have mm. getting into trouble it, Afterwards, I'd imagine so, yeah. So then. how did
2: does, how, how does it actually escalate into... Are you are you okay talking about of course, all yeah. this? Yeah, it's all How background. did it. actually How did it actually escalate into how much was... 1.75 1. million.
3: 1.75 million. That's a say lot of fucking 50 or not. <laughs> <laughs> even <laughs> when you say it, like, it's... it's Jesus, we it's, would
2: have done some gambling back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> if we had
3: <laughs> But it's, it's even when you say it, like, it, it still feels surreal. It's, it's still mad, like. Like, it started it's, off uh, with 8,000 and then...
0: All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
3: 68,000. Yeah. So you're panicking thinking I have to get this back quicker. So you're taking more money. And more money and mm-hmm. um, by the time that christmas came when the audit came that christmas it was two hundred euro and um i i remember i got through the audit because I, I changed at this stage i wasn't surgery removing cash i was just changing the figure on the balance sheet time of the bad snow in 2010 it was the time of the banking crisis a lot of people were moving money into on post because was stay guaranteed so it wouldn't be unusual to have big check figures so obviously there was a glitch in the system that the auditors didn't pick up on that they never questioned, you mm. know, the figures that came back from the bank versus what I was showing on the balance sheet. Mm. And I believe I lost my mind um, from that January till June because I stole 1.45 million in space for about six months. Wow. And at the very end, I was literally stealing 75,000 euro a week. You're taking out stacks of thousands at this it, stage. 15,000 a day and into my backpack mm. and going into two Paddy Powers. Not that I was driving around every single mm. Paddy Power office, it was going into two Paddy Power ups and at that stage,
1: are you thinking like "fuck it"? I don't give a fuck. I, I think
2: you just lose. No, yeah. no, it's your, it's, it's, you still have the hope that you're going to win the back. You're going to have this one big win. Yeah, there's always that hope. But are convinced? Book, going back to Paddy Power's a little bit there. Like, at any point, was there any alarm bells going on for them? Like, did ever question where did um, they
3: have a question? There was. We like Aaron Rogan wrote the great book called "Punters" on the on the rise of Paddy Power. And there's a section on there on my story because it's part of their history, obviously. Mm. And they had people looking, Google map my house to see where I lived because of the amount of bets I was putting on they had people specifically on my account to to monitor the bets I was doing because they were they were part of, or sometimes they thought I was another Barney Curley that was going to get them for millions because of the kind of way I was gambling. I was just someone who was addicted. I was just gambling on the next thing. It was... um. It was. It was never a question. Like I said, it was. There were. I was lodging the cash over two counters. So, from a money launderer point of view, it wasn't question. Like, and also the manipulation was there because if I won money, and there was odd money on the bet, I'd leave a couple of hundred euro behind the counter for the staff so that they wouldn't question it. So you're manipulating them as well. Now this could have been Labrocks or, or it could have been Boyle Sports. It was just that that's who I gambled with. It could have yeah. been any of them. Stan James. Yeah. It me. could have been any of them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I remember even one of the ladies who worked in in Gori lit my daughter. Uh, a cardigan for her her christening because they knew everything about me like they buy me jerseys for me birthday like because i was a good customer they were looking at my accounts like i think it came to light in the book that on quiet days i was doing as much gambling on my online account as the rest of paddy power put together now that was going back 10 or 11 years ago and maybe the online was coming in so it was it was one of their main accounts at the time that's Um, the rest of paddy power in the whole country yeah Yeah, or is oh paddy power online so it was it was something that you know, should have been flagged, could have been flagged.
1: brings up the debate around, like, is there an obligation on the betting company to um, freeze an account the if they think that there's an addiction? Like, it seems, it sounds like with Paddy Power, um, that they're seeing probably that there was an addiction, but they tried to get more out of you uh, by yeah. incentivizing, uh, you to give you free tickets and stuff like this. Yeah,
3: I was, uh, I suppose I was... I was probably the exception to the rule, and, and she was saying I wouldn't ring up looking for free bonuses. Like I've I've worked with colleagues in the UK where they've they rang up looking for free bonuses. We got box seats to Premier League games. I was told afterwards I could have asked for anything and I would have got round the world trips, tickets to World Cup finals, tickets to any event I wanted. I got. I I ended up going to the UEFA Cup final in the Aviva. You know, champagne. Fire yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I actually had him back to score first, yeah. and. <laughs> I, I think i 100 euro it. I'd like to go madly, Madrid it? and FC Porto, wasn't
1: it? Uh, which one? I like to go on Madrid and FC Porto, was it?
3: No, it was another, I can't remember, it was another... It was Braga. That's It was another Portuguese yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was brought to the, 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 the uh, Budweiser Irish Derby just before the news broke, I was brought down. that. I remember it was like one of those moments where I walk into the room and Paddy Power's there and just he just looks and I just look. I don't want him to say anything because my friends are with me and he probably sure hell doesn't want me to be in the room either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was never questioned. Um the, the manager of the Carlo office after flagged me down in the street after the news came out and he said, oh, we thought you were involved in the Russian mafia. We thought you'd won the lottery. We thought you had a rich auntie. But at any stage, it didn't question, like, well, if you did have all that, why are you gambling it all away? So even mm. in light of, of it being a problem, it was never questioned. It just looked like it's normalized behavior. Yeah, but they'll, they'll actually restrict your account if you're winning. It's, it's really it, that's the thing if you're winning money they will actually yeah we'll stop just, it, yeah, yeah, restrict stop it your account
2: large, the phone call will come in and they'll be told yeah. stop the bet or, they'll they'll reduce, your, you know, or you reduce your, your steak, yeah. loads, you can reduce stake yeah but going back to what you were saying there James it's like it's like this it's like if, if a guy owns a lap dancing parlour and there's someone going in and spending 6 and 7 thousand euros a night he's not going to say lads us You have to stop spending your money. You're spending way too much money. It's all about the money game, you know, isn't it? And that's why we
3: need the regulation in because, like, I obviously, when you're addicted, you can't make those rational decisions. So, we need you know the government to step up and we need the bookie office. Now, in fairness to Paddy Power, they're probably a lot more proactive now than they were back then, and probably even more proactive than a lot of the other bookies. But we need the legislation in place, which is that's not by
2: choice, though. I don't shamed into it, it. I, I, That's, that's by, sh- by shamed into it, and yeah. and, and uh, the government bringing in regulations and uh, stuff like that. This yeah. not by choice. Any, so any
1: hope we had of ever getting a sponsorship off Paddy Power has gone nowhere. Well, we would so. never ta- <laughs> we, we we would we never would associate never, ourselves no, with anything like that. Not. Yeah. Definitely do not. Definitely
2: not. Or yeah. anything to that that doesn't represent. We've declined sponsorship on this
1: podcast mm. if it didn't align mm. with what we want. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? It's important to have your integrity. Like, but in some companies, there's no integrity. It just take and take and take, and that's kind of what we're against mm. when you're like advocating for people in recovery, you know. Has mm-hmm. to be about like
3: fucking having a bit of control over all that stuff, yeah. Because so I'm not anti gambling, like it mm. is something that's enjoyed by the majority, but we need uh, to have I throw not five around and accumulate it, course, like it's there for after. enjoyment. But it's like it's, it's marketed as this in as this um entertainment, like if you went to the cinema or went to um, a concert or you know you wouldn 't ask for your money back in the way because you you're you 're paying for the entertainment, but there 's an expectation even from people who mightn 't be at a, a problematic level of gambling that i 'm due to bring my money back here, and when you don't you know you're chasing losses and mm. stuff like that so like it's it, it needs to be more balanced of a marketing like you know look at any ad of the ads. It's like when the funds stop, stop, or take time to think or mm. set your limits. It puts all the onus on the individual. But the market, the market, and mm. it's brilliant. The like Hats off to they, them.
1: They're yeah. very funny on Twitter. Yeah. They have funny posts. They go viral a yeah. lot of the time yeah. as well, you know, on this.
2: I was just going to say, uh, uh, how was your, your mental health during all this, you know, because oh, geez, I, I know man. towards the end, like when you're after losing vast amounts of money, suicide is common. Were, like, yeah. I, 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 my last. Towards the end I was walking out of out of um the bookies and, and it was I was contemplating taking my own life because I was, I was wondering how I was gonna pay pay back these large quantities of cash that mm. I was spending inside in the in, uh, Stan James and I was lost. I was going over home into a back room inside my mother's house and staying in the bedroom and and, and I really genuinely didn't know what to do with my life
3: you feel you do feel lost you feel numb you feel empty you feel the void of any happiness um, and we were even talking beforehand about you know it took a few years for that even in recovery for that sense of self or sense of connection with self or sense of even enjoying sport for what it's supposed to be like you're just numb for mm-hmm. that's the best way to describe it. and again yeah, the suicidal ideation like when the news came out i just got in a car and drove as far as far away as i could i ended up in belfast and then in carrick ferguson over that weekend, I'm still gambling, thinking I can win all this money back. Mm. But even now, looking back, even if I did get all the money back, um, I would have been discovered anyway. Mm. And in like, you know, I done the the documentary with Baz a couple of years ago. And we, we went back to Carrick Ferguson. I was back in the room that I was in. and it brought it all back. Like that. That's where I contemplate taking my own life because you're thinking I'm after letting everyone down. I'm after, you know, failing everyone. I'm 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 no good. I'm no good of a man. How could you know you're you're weak? How did you let it get to this? Charles um, run your case at the well? N- n- no, I was still known as a missing person until I um I went into Paddy Power on the Friday night, um because I had a docket with ten thousand euro on it that I used to do bets in the bookies, big ones, and I remember I went in knowing that even when I go into try cash it they would know where I was. So it's like someone who goes in to get their fix and doesn't care about how the consequences. Yeah. So arriving to the bookies on the Friday night in Belfast go up to the counter and um, asked the fellow behind the counter said, can you cash in that into my um, username tony10 and he just he said he scanned it and he looked at it and he kind of you do know how much money is in it said yeah just put it on and, like that transaction would normally take 40 or 50 seconds and he was in and out and and i was kind of getting a bit spooked because i've heard uh, from Aaron rogan since that they had pictures of me behind the counter and underline on, on their systems told not to, to take my bets but not to spook me as well and what i did and i left the office and I just told him some excuse that I was looking I was gonna check my car because I, I was having a bit of a panic attack and I was kind of thinking right what do I do what do I do and next thing a police car comes flying down to this bookie office op- past this bookie office in Belfast and it stops outside and I think they're here for me so I'm just ready to go running back to the car and driving off back to Carrick Fergus. and I just then the police car flies off in a different direction so I go back into the book then like, you kind of left at that dilemma should I just leave the docket there but the, the the addicted part of me needed to go back in and get this docket because yeah. i needed to keep continuing to gamble and i went in and i just said listen i'm going across the water in the morning i'm staying at carrick fergus i'll take back the docket and i'll um i'll cash it in another time and he gave me back the docket and i walked out now i don't know why i told him i was staying at carrick fergus but that's the reason why i'm sitting here because on that night um that saturday morning i arrived down sorry that saturday morning i arrived down into the um into the bookies and that's when news broke like I saw me the picture of the gory post office and newspaper and one line really resonated with me like family and friends were looking from the Wicklow mountains and I said I may make contact so I start emailing my dad and my, my wife and I start saying this, I'm sorry for everything but they would already used google maps when I left that bookie office that evening and I, I was caught in CCTV footage and the Garda got a copy and there was cobblestones outside the Paddy power office so my father while I was in the guard station when the picture came through he saw it was cobblestones, we went back to the family home and um there's a big meeting on that night because i I've been missing since Wednesday with no one hearing anything from me. And um, the, uh, they used Google Maps, found the address at the office and said, we're going to go up to morning to try and find me. So the morning they're on route to Belfast. I'm in the bookie office at two o'clock. That's when I placed my last ever bet. A horse called Badea and at 2.35 in Newbury, I think. It lost at 11 to 4, 100 sterling and I'll never forget. And that's when I read the article, that's why I'll never forget And I remember just seeing the headlines and I went back to the hotel room, closed the curtains and the room was dark, When my mind started getting to dark getting dark as well. I started emailing my wife saying, I'm sorry for everything. I can't go on. And while I was actually emailing my sister-in-law who was relaying the message to my wife, who was already in the bookie office in Belfast looking for me. And my best friend, Niall, will obviously put a bit of pressure on your man behind the counter to give him any information because he wasn't given any, obviously for GDPR. And he told him that I said I was staying in the Carrick-Fergus. So while my messages were getting darker and more desperate on on email, they arrived in the Carrick-Fergus and found my car down by the seafront. It was just a coincidence. I used to have to move it every morning. And they feared the worst. Got the, the police involved. And at half five that evening. Um, and I, I suppose the one thing that stopped me from, you know, Carrying out that my, the threat of suicide to try to suicide myself would have been thoughts my daughter. Not I can't leave her with this. No matter what the consequences are, I just can't ever leave her with that. And mm-hmm. a half five that evening, two police officers knocked on my door with guns. Just stood in the door, um, one of them stood into the room. I'll never forget what he said. He said, "We're not. We're not here to arrest you. We're worried about your mental health and your your and your state of mind." And I could hear the other fellow outside saying, "We found him. We found him." And I suppose that's. You know, even talking about now, it, it still brings back like, the impact that must have had on my family. And mm-hmm. and there in Carrick, Fergus, 15 of them trying to find me. And I I just collapsed in the hotel bed. And I suppose that's my first ever kind of experience of counselling and such. Because I just pushed that poor fella, leaned up against the radiator, standing there. And I just, everything came out to him. And it felt good. But then when I got home that night, I'll never forget the look my mom gave me. And that brought me back down to earth. Mm. Because I then realised... The impact this is after having everyone
1: was there a, but that was obviously so huge relief when you finally got huge. caught the game was up there's yeah, some huge. pressure
3: on you like unbelievable like it's the only <laughs> the only way i can describe is if someone has has their hands on your head and they're squeezing and you can just feel it the whole time but that sometimes it's excruciating pain mm. and it's just like you want to scream the whole time but you can't because then you have to tell people why you're screaming or why you're mm. um so you're kind of playing it's like i'm sure you'll agree to me it's like two different lives
2: it's like you, 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 you know, When you're a drug addict or an alcoholic, you know, um, everybody can see the damage that's being caused from the outside because your physicality and your your you're just completely stressed. But when you're a gambler, you have to hold it together because you if if you don't, you you nearly give it away. Mm. You have to hold yourself together. But what's going on inside there is twenty four mm. seven you cannot think or focus on anything else but what's going on within the gambling world. Sure, well
1: the progressive nature of addiction yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Like you might get away with it for a period of time, but you're born and candle at all ends. Eventually, yeah. them ends come together. Like Yeah, definitely. But Same. it came together and you didn't die. Do you and what, that's the big thing. Do you know what I mean? am
3: sitting here to talk about it So many
1: people are probably yeah. listening to this now that have lost family members. Um, the gambling, you
2: know. Yeah. Did, did alcohol or drugs ever come into the equation? No, it uh, didn't. of that kind of stuff? You
3: know, Maybe alcohol misabuse abuse sometimes. You know, when you're on a Friday night, you're just going to forget what stuff you get. Mm. It was actually interesting the night before that came to light, I was sitting at a, the hotel bar in, in um, Carrick Fergus, drinking with a fella. He actually had a Rangers tattoo on the side of his head. Lovely and, fella. No, he was actually. <laughs> and he was telling me great stories about Alex Higgins. And, he was, and it was the time in the marching season, he was telling me where to go, where not to go. And he's in. He was in recovery from... For alcohol, but not that night. And um, he wasn't, wasn't in there. recovery. But uh, you know, it was like, it was like that moment of respite before everything. It was like, like it was kind of like I can just forget about something for a while. But then, as you know yourself, like when you wake up mm-hmm. from the hangover, you wake up from the gambling frenzy, you're back where you were.
1: You know, I know, like when you're sitting in the bar. And you find a fellow with a ranger tattoo on the side of his head friendly you know you have a problem there <laughs> we so haven't there's, there's no treatment centers for yeah, that no How no, about no, rangers yeah. people are sound yeah. do you know what i mean i'm only having a ball
3: hop no but it's just the, where i was at the time yeah you know like a probably southern <clears throat> red car it's mad it
1: where i brought you like yeah do you know what i mean yeah. Yeah. like it's Concrete. not common for an irish catholic yeah. yeah. to be sitting yeah. on the bar trying yeah. to yeah. with a ranger tattoo on the side of his head tell me about the investigation with the police and how
3: that evolved um, I suppose from there then I write back down to Carlo. Um it was it was all over the newspapers. I was um I, I think I stopped in the Drogheda or Dundalk on the way home to get a, a bottle of water and it's very surreal when you walk into petrol station and you see the picture, your picture in front of all the national newspapers. Go well, out. It was on the six o'clock news and nine o'clock news because of the amounts of money. Um I suppose I arrived into um it was
2: it was the audit was, was was there something leading up to this? Yeah, sorry, there was a
3: surprise audit the morning of the when and, yeah, 20 and,
2: and did it come out straight away then No,
3: because I was a missing person. So it only it only came out in the media then that weekend Which when I was not a missing safe. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I arrived at right down to Carlo and into the garda station, surrendered my passport. Um I was still very paranoid about going out of the house. I moved out to out the country with my my wife's parents, my ex-wife's parents, for a couple of days. I'll never forget the morning. I was sitting in the I never forget. I was sitting in spare room. Was a whole kitty post one. I could just hear a lot of cars outside. Detective cars arrived five and them pulled up. Tr- one there, one in car, and one. In my home place with search warrants looking for. They weren't even look for money. Like I think they were looking for journals. How did they keep account of all this money I'd stolen? Because I was there telling her really the exact one Because you have to. Because you have to. Mm. Computing each day, um, so that was a bit surreal. And they interviewed me in there, and I, I remember I, I got interviewed in my solicitor's house, and they were brilliant throughout the whole process. The the guardie, they said, "Going to get your treatment, and uh, we'll talk to you when you come out." And there was a detective, Ian Hayes, was over. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, I can't speak highly enough of the whole process mm-hmm. with it from where I was at. Yeah. Like they kind of could see that I was yeah. not your usual criminal that they might be dealing yeah. with. I you know I they, they kind of see that I was a, a victim of. Addiction, I suppose. They could yeah. see between the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember we did the converter for three months. Left it, um, got on very well there. Left it, and uh, seventh of October, two thousand and eleven. Yeah, two thousand eleven. And then I got, I was asked to present myself in Gori Garda Station on the seventh of December that year. I was charged with forty six sample charge of theft and false accounting. Arrested, handcuffed, fingerprints taken, mugshot taken belt and laces taken, it starts to hit you down when you're when you're in the cell between yeah. interviews. I was interviewed for twelve hours and the um yeah, that's that was the start of the process. So they told me about a year when um did you get bail? I got bail, yeah. Um I told me about a year until it came to light. The, the core case, so I, I stayed on voluntary in Coomber trying to help other people to come through with gambling. Okay. That's when I started my journey of counseling psychotherapy. Is that in a tie? Yeah, it's in a tie. Um, I, I started my journey then of becoming a counselor and psychotherapist. And part of me, like, I think we were talking before, and like, what got me into it is part of me was thinking, like I want to help other people. Someone said that I have a nice way with people that I might be something I could do. Yeah. But part of me, the, the, the logistical part of me, brain was thinking, I won't have a job. I can't I'll never get I all I ever knew was finance. I'll I'll never get a job, so I need to retrain in something. Went back in on counselling, um but the court case was looming large. I got my foundation starting um counselling psychotherapy. The court case was on the eighteenth of December the following year and I got sentenced to three years four years in prison but one suspended. Um I was expecting more, I was told to expect more, I was told to expect between five and seven years. And realistically, I probably should have because of how it impacted. As you mentioned on post, like I had a huge impact on them and their employees. Mm. It had a huge impact on my family on the, the community, on on um, friends. So it was kind of, but because I was able to kind of show that I hadn't benefited from the gambling, mm. like I'm still driving. I'm still driving a manual car. It's actually in the garage again. Yeah. Um. I wasn't try. I wasn't going to flash holidays or you know. Mm. I was just any of the money I was getting was going into paddy power and. Even was it your the local post office? Oh no, it was in Gory. I was tra- I got the branch manager's job in Gory, oh, okay. um, so it was. Um, but they had to do a complete audit there because I'd worked there obviously yeah. as well. Um, I'm was sure there like a lot of shame, a- yeah. Huge, huge. For the the small, you they're small. They're not big towns, like no, but it's huge. It's not like Cork
1: City where you know it's big enough old areas,
3: yeah. You know? Like because I I worked in the post office. I I was playing you know junior football. I was, I'd be well known from working in Scrags. It's so like, you know, you're walking down the street and like I used to go to Cover Darkness to bring the dog for a walk. That was my only bit of fresh air. Oh, yeah. P- people pulling by the house and you see them pointing and laughing. You'd be walking down the street and you'd see people talking. Um, you know, it's like, it, it's, it, there is shame and guilt. There's every, there's a mixed match of everything and you're so paranoid. Like I remember even even when I got out of prison going through the community work. Like you're so paranoid about people. But yeah. I must say the people of Cardo were absolutely brilliant. I think a lot of it was there was a lot of sympathy when when I was um, sentenced it was in Wexford and the courthouse was being done up at the time Mm. so it was in the civic offices so the cameras could follow you the whole way usually when you see a Mm -hmm. snippet from the court you only walk from here to the Mm -hmm. wall away they followed me the whole way and I I think I was like your mum was dragging me so, I think it was a certain amount of sympathy that my parents got from that, I think. And I think that helped me knowing that. Was there a lot of media attention on the family home and stuff? Yeah, and my father's been followed. There were I remember all the lads were saying, like, my local pub, they were, it became really tight knit. They wouldn't talk to any strangers at the bar. There was people being offered big money for interviews. Um, I think one of my friends even said they got a picture of the football and they were asked to point out who it was and he pointed himself out so that it delayed it. Yeah. So There was a lot of really you know like i think when you've gone through this you've gone through addiction gone through prison yeah. gone through, you know you know your you start to know your friends like there's yeah. there's um there's people that you know you would expect to talk and never talk to you again i remember meeting someone in prison um i wrote about him in the book i used a different name and you know he would have been seen as a local kind of troublemaker and um he was brilliant and i i'll never forget the like, local timmy long the <laughs> local came along, yeah, and he was—he was, he was absolutely—he was in while I was in the Midlands, and like, like he made sure I was You're in the Midlands okay. as well. Yeah, Jesus. So he made sure I was—I was okay on the land, and then, and Rob and Wookie's daughter actually contacted me to see if we could meet, and I was kind of bricking to thinking like, what's she gonna say? And mm-hmm. she just said it was lovely that you showed a different side of him that we mm-hmm. knew. And, uh, and I was lovely. Like he's dead. Uh, He's—he he's, had an argument with his son, and his son threw a knife and he hit him in the groin, and he bled out. Jesus. He was the first person to ring me when my mom died. And off his condolences. He just shows you that like, yeah. you, you would think you'd know know you know, you be judgmental of people, but until you meet them and see them in a but different this, light...
1: We did a prison series mm. there recently, like, and that's the point. We like, do podcasts with people that are in prison, mm. you have a perception that the bad people are on the inside and the good people are on the outside, but it's not like that. It's yeah. not that straightforward. Mm. And some very decent people are in prison that have made yeah. mistakes, and some people that are on the outside that are pricks. Yeah. And that just because they're on the outside doesn't mean that they're goody-two-shoes or whatever. But... um.
2: Like everybody's doing the best they can. At yeah. at, at whatever point in their lives, they make mistakes, and the, people make mistakes because they don't know any better. Mm. Because they're 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 chasing something, or they're trying to sue themselves fit in they can't or whatever. Feed, yeah. You know, mm. and and as people, we have to start realizing like this. People leave people off. Leave them do their journey. You know. Mm-hmm. Leave them off let's stop judging every single person you know and just leave people do their journey even learn from mistakes and just get on with your own life and 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 mm. you know i have a lot going on for me at the moment and growth therapy i still go to therapy in and a half years away from that lifestyle and the drinking drugs but i think it's it's, it's a continuous journey you growth, the growth mm. you know the healing and and stuff that trauma and um it's just like uh, i like having conversations that are meaningful and 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 create creating certain things in life you know Mm -hmm. doing nice stuff i kind of move away from anything that's other than where it's it's not so positive and where it's a little negative where somebody's been slaughtered because of of, of something they may have done Mm -hmm don't kind of it just doesn't feel right for me to be involved in that yeah. kind of conversation anymore yeah. um, and and that to me is showing I me mean that i'm going through another stage of my life yeah. where there's growth yeah. you mm. know and it uh, feels good yeah there's definitely, but it feels shit like if you if, if if you lose your awareness and you're caught up in it do you know what yeah, i mean
3: yeah. definitely something happens i think when you come through life change anything like addiction or a prison or a trauma or whatever you can come out the far side. you definitely look at things a lot differently yeah. you definitely. I like, you know my kind of philosophy now is I'm trying. Like I'm, I'm still trying to change. I still have a bad relationship with money and buying stuff. It's still something I'm still mm. working on. But um, and you know, I I know my triggers. I know my you know my underlying kind of um issues will be you know just you know a bit of attachment, but also probably insecurities that that come to the surface every so often. And you know, while I'm mm-hmm. touched with having gambled in nearly eleven years, it's kind of you know you go back into old ways like shopping a good bit as well. Yeah. So. But I, what I try to is I try I'm trying to change my life and I think since the pandemic I suppose I have done that a lot more and I'm starting to really reconnect more with myself and with others and, and less to re- reconnect them with behavior stuff like shopping or stuff like that so yeah. I think there's there is a there's definitely growth there but I t- as you I'm sure you'll agree there's always room for more growth as we're yeah. going through just keep uh, going because
2: yeah. we can get comfortable when, when when we get a bit well in ourselves and, and we don't feel as awful as we did before and we get to a place where there's not that much criticism in the mind or judgment on yourself anymore, yeah. we get comfortable in that. Yeah. But it's important to keep going, Yeah. you know, with the therapy or meditation or, Psychotherapy, whatever it may be, stand on
3: your head for two hours each day if that's what works. Exactly. What's
1: life like for you
3: today? Life is brilliant. Um, you know, I, you know, I lost a lot through the addiction. I lost my, my job, obviously. I lost my freedom. Lost my marriage. Um, lost time with my daughter. Um, you know, just on, on this week I have her most weekends. Had a brilliant weekend where Father's Father's Day this weekend. Had brilliant weather, with a new partner, living in Waterford. Um. And life is really good. We have a really good relationship. It's kind of, um I still have the old insecurities still come every so often. But I have a lot more, you know, I have a lot better coping skills. I have a really, my colleague Barry is absolutely brilliant. He's, um you know, he's a, he's a friend as well as a colleague. You know, I can bounce mm. stuff off him. Yeah. I have my friends who I see every so often down in Carlo, not as much as I'd like. And, you know, you walk back into that environment, it's like you never left it, you know. Oh. So it's 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 really good. Um, I'm trying to, you know, continue to grow and recovery and become a better person, become less reliant on material stuff, um, which is some, something that I have to kind of probably, as you were talking about stages, that's my next stage. I'm getting there with it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not perfect, but, you know, I often say, and I was hoping you might put this quote up on your wall, that, um, you know, I often say, like, I've been, you know, I'm, I've never been better in my in my life, but it's a pity I had to go to hell and back to get there. That's worth putting up in the wall. Yeah, I want it beside well, Gabriel Mate's one yeah, there. Please, you with <laughs> a marker there, you can actually <laughs> drive can can it. Yeah, no problem. We're we a get it fixed. We back get world. it
1: printed. Well, listen, it's been lovely talking to you. Thanks for taking the time to come to meet us, and um, brilliant story. Uh, it'll help people. And if people want to contact you, follow you on social media.
3: Yeah, so we have the the organisation I'm in is um, External Problem Gambling. So if you Google that, it comes up. Or I think it's at problemgambling.ie is our website. So, you know, we offer support for people who are going through gambling addiction or their family members. We also do our own podcast called the Problem Gambling Podcast, which a lot of people find really good because people might want to reach out for help and support, mm-hmm. but even by listening to other people's testimonies, yeah, it helps them. Definitely. Um, Can I you do repeat a lot of the name of that podcast The again? Problem Gambling Podcast. The Problem Gambling yeah. Podcast. So, right. um, and then we all, I also do some school talks and stuff like that as well. So our contact, um, I'm on social... Yeah, That's 2010 the the is the name of the book. 2010. Yeah. And then there's a the documentary and
1: Finney series on TG Cahill. Series
3: two, episode two. Yeah, very, worth very worthwhile good. watching because I think brilliant. it gives you great insight by the other people being interviewed. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm on social media as well if anyone wants to yeah. contact for any yeah. advice, support. Mm-hmm. And we'll throw uh, some links in the description of the podcast. Gambling's a the
2: massive, massive, yeah, massive. Something we need to be talking about. Moment, yeah.
1: Exactly. But well, thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your summer. Sure anyway. We thanks, see everybody lads. next week. Thank Take you, out. Tony. I
2: really enjoyed this. I really, really enjoyed this. You know, and thank you. I could definitely relate to everything as we walk about. You know, and thanks again for coming. And uh, I wish all the luck in the world. Thanks you very mean. much. God bless.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer.